into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Okay, geeks, we're here with another issue of Imagine If, and we're doing a challenge this week, so hopefully you you uh, are tuning in to hear what we had to say about certain stories and what we liked about them, and then how we fit them, fit them into the other universes. This week we're doing Vice and Virtue, the JSA-JLA story uh, from DC Comics, and how does it fit into the Marvel Universe? Uh, with me, as always, is Chris Franey. Hey, everybody, how's it going? That's right. Uh, before we get to that, though, we'll talk about a little bit of news and also see uh, what we're going to talk about Doctor Strange, the movie that came out. Yeah, that was amazing. That was a, that was a fun time. It was really fun and, and, and different. Like, the, uh, every, the magical aspect, yeah, like diving into the magical world. No, it was. Right, it was right. Some... And, and, you know, I, I know everybody says, and I'll, I'll, I'll sit there and agree with you, uh, the Marvel movies, the Marvel Cinematic Movies, they follow a formula. It's very much very simple, especially with the origin stories. Tragic guy might be a little bit of a jerk, then becomes, uh, then finds out that he needs humanity, learns some new tricks, becomes superhero. <laughs> hey, but that's nothing wrong. With it. I mean, that's formula to how to create a superhero. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, that's almost the the Marvel way. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think what was neat though was what I liked about this one. I, I felt his character growth was really was stronger you know like and but also what i liked too though was he did hold firm to his uh, like i want to say like his personal code but he also understood the ramification of his actions because when he um oh man i just had the moment and then i lost it i hate when that happens but you know like he knew ultimately that he was doing good but this time he was more worried about the impact it has versus or the impact it has on others versus the impact that it can have on his image so I thought that was pretty cool. You know, that was a great thing to see in, you know, Stephen Strange's journey. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you know, the way that they portrayed, uh, you know, the, a lot of the, the magic aspects of it was definitely, it, it was different, but then it was also the same. Especially, like, when you see him doing the spells, it, it's very much the same way as Tony Stark making his armor in his in his lab. You know, they, I mean, obviously the graphics are kind of the same, but I just felt it was kind of the same mood that he gave him. Oh no, I totally. I remember sitting back and watching the movie, and I think it was one of the parts where Doctor Strange flew, mm-hmm. and I just reminisced to watching Iron Man when he had that dogfight with the two jets, and I felt that giddiness that I felt when I watched Iron Man, which. I'm not complaining about, but, you know, it does lend itself back to what you were saying at the start, where it's very formula, but, you know, it definitely, it feels like it's a new chapter of the Marvel U, um, but it it brought back good memories for me, and that I was like, oh, this was, you know, this was how the Marvel U started, I like it, and I'm happy, you know, but, yeah, I could definitely see that, but, you know, it's, you know, it it was, he was very much a a Tony Stark flamboyant Stephen Strange, because if you read, you know, Doctor Strange's first appearance, 
he wasn't like well i mean obviously they didn't spend that much time establishing his character you know it's like he understood he was a surgeon and he was a jerk he hurt his hands and then he found a better way you know not necessarily like oh i'm quick to put out these funny witty jokes you know you didn't necessarily see that part of him now i've been saying that um basically that uh this is probably the best acted Marvel cinematic movie, I think. Like, when you have powerhouses like uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Chiwe Ejiofor and Tilda Swinton, you know, these are some major, major actors, and I think they did a great job. But Benedict, I don't know if it was the jokes that they wrote for him or the way that he delivered them, but... Or if it was the way that they writ- they wrote for him, or the way that he delivered the jokes, but they just did not play for me. Like a lot of his like funny quips, just I don't know if it's just what it was, but it, they they weren't funny. Well, that's funny because I think did you bust out when Wong said that like these people that laughed at your jokes did they work for you? <laughs> yes, exactly. Then I wonder if that's what it was supposed to be. Like let's write it so it's dry enough that when we hit that moment. You're just going to be like, oh, my God, it's true, you know. But you're playing really hard for that one moment because his jokes really fell flat for me. Well, but, I mean, I don't know. I think if that's the type of Stephen Strange that they're building, then they did it right because it's true. I mean, we've met people that are like that, you know, where they're like, oh, man, you know, they just don't stop with the humor. But in their mind, they think, like, I, you know, after everything they say, they hear the ba Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I don't know. To me, it adds to it, but it does bring up an interesting question. Like, did the screenwriter just drop it with the jokes? Or did Benedict just deliver them too dry that they didn't come off funny? But I think, it, it luckily, Wong saves the day in that one that he's like, uh, these people work for you, right? <laughs> well, like, I mean, also with the other joke of uh, – and and. If you hadn't noticed already, folks, we're just going to get into spoilers. So if you haven't watched it yet, you might want to uh, pause the pause the podcast. Anyways, Wong. I mean, there's the whole part where he's talking to Wong for the first time. And he's like, "Wong, just, that's your name. There's there's no first name, no last name." And he's like, "Are you Eminem, Madonna, right? Beyonce?" And he's like, "You don't know who Beyonce is." And then, you know, the next the next scene is him listening, Wong is listening to Beyonce. And obviously the joke is to play off that next scene, but that was a lot to get through just to get to that joke. <laughs> Good thing they didn't do any chicken crossing the road, you know. <laughs> uh, and oh, so let's talk about some of the, the Easter eggs that were in this movie. So, you know, for me, that I'll be honest with you, that was a little tough because I'm not familiar, familiar with my Doctor Strange. So I know, I imagine that scene, like, I think I saw the Wanda with Tomb. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it does, but I just remember it from JLA Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm sure that scene when, when he finds the cloak, I imagine that must have just been ripe with magical artifacts that are, like, right, massive right, to the Marvel right. comics and eventually the Marvel, the Marvel well, Cinematic U. I mean, yeah. It, we, I, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I never read any Doctor Strange comic books, really, so uh, I wouldn't know too many of the Easter eggs that came straight from that comic. But there are Easter eggs for the Marvel U in, in general, and, and then the Marvel Cinematic U. Yeah. And one of the ones I want to talk about is at the very beginning when he gets into his car accident, he is talking to his uh, 
doctor buddy who was trying to get him to take on a new case. Oh, yeah. And at one point, he the doctor buddy's like, uh, there is a, a Marine that uh, has severed his spine while working in a uh, armored suit. And I think a lot of people, and including myself, I assume that was talking about Rhodey. Yeah, same here, yeah. But it's not. Really? Because, one, he says Marine. Rhodey is an Air, Air Force Airman. I could have sworn he said retired colonel. Uh, I'm pretty sure he says Marine. But I don't hmm. know. That's what I've read so far. Everything I've read, they said that that's not Rhodey who, who he's talking about. So if you take it back, because you, you, they say that he supposedly spent a year learning to become the, the sorcerer that he is, he is at the end of the movie. Right, right. So the movie, the beginning of the movie, it doesn't take place right after Civil War. If you think about it, that 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 is probably when uh, Iron Man 2 came out and, and you see Tony take over those tele- television screens at that hearing, the... Uh, Senate hearing. Oh where, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he he, he shows uh, the program that uh, Justin Hammers is working on. Right. And that guy in the suit got gets twisted, twisted around. So yeah. that's probably the soldier that that got hurt. That's how I see it. Well, you know, and that makes sense because with the timeline, and again, you know, it's a sliding timeline just to get that movie in there. Mm-hmm. But that that I could I could see that because when the movie ends, you know. Massive spoiler, and I apologize, but <clears throat> yeah, we're talking about it. Um, when he's sitting down with Thor, right? To me, that's supposed to explain the absence of Thor in Civil War. It's like, okay, Thor and Strange are talking, and you know, that's when it's like, okay, well, this is your quest. I am the Source of Supreme and the Guardian of Earth. I will help you on your journey, your mystical journey. So it's like, okay, so that's going to explain why they're there, right? So yeah, that's that's a good argument because. You know, like the only thing I could think of is okay, Avengers Tower is, you know, that's that's post Avengers, right? You know, so it's like, well, but that would make sense that Iron Man two with that guy being hurt, yeah, he'd probably still be laid up for a good while. It's the beginning of the Doctor Strange movie. I mean, we do see the tower at the beginning, you know, when they show the skyline, probably an Easter, obviously an Easter egg, you know, not too hard though. <laughs> so, but yeah, I could I could see that. You know, but now I'm curious. I'll have to go back and listen. You know, because I could have sworn I, I heard retired colonel. Okay, and that's what made me think. I was like, well, did Rhodey retire? I I don't know. You know, because I know he's always been colonel. Well, I mean, know? at the end of I would say at the end of Iron Man three, he is still in the military. And that's even how at, I took even it. in Avengers uh, Age of Ultron, he's still in the military. He says uh, something about helping out President Ellis, I believe. I took it even in Civil War he was still that's that's a major factor why he was all right I'll stand with the accords and I'll do because I'm a you know not because I'm a military man you know but it's it's I am a current military man right right yeah so uh, that's just a great reason for me to go watch the movie again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so then speaking of that uh, the stinger that you were talking about with Thor uh, does that mean that we'll see Doctor Strange in Thor Ragnarok do you think I think so I would wager. I would. I would think so, and that's a good fit. You know, that's a good fit because it's kind of funny. I didn't think about this till I was kind of reading up earlier. Well, when I was looking at the character of Mephisto, he did a good job of plaguing Thor, Stephen, or Doctor Strange, and Silver Surfer. So those three have had occasions where they've teamed up. As a matter of fact, it was years ago, like when I was a, a kid, and we in our like fourth grade class, we had a Secret Santa. And luckily, I got the only comic book in the thing. It was an issue of Silver Surfer. And Thor was there, and they were fighting Mephisto. And it's funny, because like now I, I wish I had that comic handy, because now I'm more excited to read it than I was then. I was kind of like, ah, I don't really read these <laughs> characters. 
Granted, it's a comic book and I'm excited, but eh. <laughs> so uh, that I mean, everything we've heard about Thor Ragnarok up to this point would be that it's Thor and Hulk on a road cosmic road trip, basically. Uh, road trip movie. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think most people are insinuating or inferring, I should say, that there is going to be a little bit of Planet Hulk in there. Or, yeah, Planet Hulk. I could see definitely in the armor he'll wear. You know, like, I think that that's been leaked, you know, where we've seen, like, the designs. And I, I feel like that'll be the only Planet Hulk. Like, maybe they'll be fighting on a, a war planet. But, yeah, it, it'll be allusions to it. But, yeah, it definitely won't be the full story. I okay. Think. Maybe we'll get lucky if we see a couple of the crew that he got. But I don't think we'll get the full throttle. Now, and, it would be interesting if they did start laying the seeds for, like, Scar. Like, that'd be, like, wow. That would be that'd be pretty really crazy. Bringing some characters in. Um, we have... Also, uh, in that scene that I was speaking of earlier about right before the car crash and then right as the car crash, uh, he is getting information about another patient, a female patient that uh, suffers from schizophrenia and then um, has a chip in her head that will that's supposed to suppress it, suppress her schizophrenia, and then uh, is struck by lightning. So that's why they want him to work on her because uh, it's some neuro, you know, right. surgery that would be. It. So what Scott Derrickson has said that well, at least he didn't say. Someone, I guess, kind of asked him a question during the interview and asked him if that is supposed to be uh, like a reference to Captain Marvel, Car- Carol Danvers. And because the reason they brought that up is because the writer for the Captain Marvel movie has said that they want to change her origin a little bit instead of her uh, almost dying and then uh, becoming like one with Marvel to get her powers and stuff like that. They want to make it so that because uh, I guess they they find they they found that to be a little bit too much like Green Lantern's origin. Yeah, I know. Like I remember for years. That was the problem DC faced when it came to heroes like Kyle Rayner and Wally West. Because if you say, oh, tell me the origin of Kyle Rayner, you have to talk about Hal Jordan. Tell me the origin of Wally West. You have to tell me the origin of Barry Allen. Right. And hence why those characters got brought back, you know, because it's like, well, it's just easier to say, oh, they were kind of like the sidekick who grew up. Okay, that's better. Um, so I could see that because Carol does suffer that fate. You can't get to Captain Marvel, Carol, Miss Marvel, Warbird, whatever code name, binary. You can't get to her. Until you get, you know, that you'd have to get Captain Marvel. So, yeah, that makes sense that they could be changing it so that she's her own instead of a, being a derivative. So, they, yeah, they, uh, the, writer, the writer said they're probably going to change her origin a little bit. Now, when the reporter asked Scott Derrickson that if that was, he said, uh, he basically was, got coy with her and said, I'll never tell. Uh-huh. So, it's, it's out there as a rumor that that could have been the origin of of uh, Carol Danvers. You know, I kind of felt that. I remember that moment. I was kind of like, Ms. Marvel? Captain Marvel? Could this be? So, I don't know. That'd well, be that's I mean, a good catch. That as, as we were talking about with the formula of, uh, you know, the Marvel movies, that would be the perfect place to plant a Easter egg or a, a rumor or hint or whatever you want at the next character. Yeah. Oh, exactly. You want to start putting those stones out there. That And speaking of stones, so <laughs> as as we know now at the end of the movie that the Aya Agamotto is a... Uh, Infinity Stone. Infinity Stone. It is the Time Stone. Where do, we, where do you think we're going to get the last, the Soul Stone? 
You know, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know the order off the top of my head the way the movies are, but I feel like Black Panther is a good place for that. Um, with the soul and with the fact that, because if you remember your Black Panthers, you know, the power is passed from father to son. Right. And so obviously there's a real connection there. And, you know, even, he, you know, when I call upon my powers, I call about my, my forefathers. So there's, the, there's a mysticism, mysticism, mysticism yep. and spirituality there. So I feel like, hey, that's soul. I feel like that could be a good place for it. And I'm trying to – I need to go back and look, but I could totally see because I do remember there was a Black Panther costume where he had the whole, you know, the, the, the Black Panther. And he had the kind of – the design that almost alludes to like a necklace, but the, the, the centered – piece was yellow i've always right. remembered him having you know i have the cape cape collar whatever but i could see them eventually showing him wearing something like that and then that turns out that oh hey it turns out that's another infinity stone or or something so that's that's where i'm putting my money so the another theory that's out there and let me run this by you because i don't know i think this would i don't think marvel would have done this but you never know so they say that the, the where the different stones are at uh, you take the first letter of each one of these uh, places, and they end up spelling out Thanos. I saw a picture. With okay, that. Yeah. so uh, the the I guess all of them are accounted for, and I, I you know I can't think about. Oh, it's uh, T. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember what T was stood for. A was so, okay. ether. Here we, I, I've got the image. So T was the space gem for Tesseract. Tesseract, okay. A was the reality gem for the Aether. Right. N was the time gem for Necklace, Necklace yeah. which is See, that's stretching. Yeah, that one. Uh, o was the power, jo- power gem for the Orb. And S was the mind gem for the Scepter. So H for the soul gem. Would be Heimdall. Really? Yes. So they're saying that. So he himself is a no. Gem, if you look at him? you look at Idris Alba's armor in the Thor movies, he has a depiction of Idrisil on his armor on his breastplate, and then right in the middle of the Idrisil, there is a gem on his breastplate. And some people were saying that that is the soul gem because Heimdall's power is to see all the souls of all the different realms. So when he. Uh, in Thor Dark World, he, he walks up to Heimdall and says, uh, Heimdall says, would you like to know what she's doing today? And he's like, you know? And he's like, I see all kind of thing. Right. So huh. he's talking about Jane Foster's character, or the character of Jane Foster. So they're, they're saying that, you know, that would be, but I don't know, because at the end of, uh, which movie was it? With the end of Avengers, when they give the collector... A uh, one of the one of the gems, was it was it Avengers? Oh gosh, I'm trying to think. When when it's yeah, uh, they, they had no no no, is it the end of Guardians. Thor? Th- no, Thor: The Dark World, because it's it's that's uh, right. Cause Sif that was after and Guardians. Volstagg come and give the 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 ether. Yeah, they to, trust it with yeah because yeah. they said the Tesseract is already in Asgard and we don't want to keep keep you know, them together keep them yeah. together. But that would mean that the Tesseract and. Uh, the the soul gem or Heimdall's gem is is in the same place, and you know what's interesting that in that case because well now we have Doctor Strange with the eye on Earth, right? And the scepter is on the Vision. I'm curious what can that do? You know, that's true too. So, yeah, I you know I don't know where we would find the last. I think personally, I think they'll save the last gem for just the Infinity Wars, anyways. I could see, and I was thinking about that too because I was like, 
you know, you don't want to, like, it would be kind of ridiculous if it all happens on Earth, you know, like, there needs to be something. I mean, because, like I said, I don't know my order, but we've got Guardians 2 before Avengers 3, right? Right. Yeah, and we also have Thor before Avengers 3. That's right. So that makes sense that they're going to be there. So, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't feel like it should be on Earth. I mean, if I had to take bets, I would think that's a great way to tie Black Panther into this whole situation. But yeah, it is kind of funny how all these items end up on Earth and that we're the center of the. Well, the, I mean, chaos. technically, uh, one of them, the ether was on the Dark Elf world, wherever that is. The Tesseract is on Asgard. Um, the Scepter was in outer space because he got because Loki got it from uh, that's Thanos. True. Yeah, that's true. Um, the orb was also in outer space somewhere because uh, you know it's. I mean, they're they're spread out. They're all on the same. They're all on Midgard, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But and you know, it's kind of funny because thinking about that, that, you just gave me something to think about. It's funny how okay, if he's going to go on this quest to get the Infinity Gems, why would he be like, hey, here's one of my gems, go take it? And well, use see, it. that I've <laughs> always found a problem with that. Why would? Uh, Thanos give away one of his Infinity Gems to Loki. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you know. But, I mean, granted, yes, it is the Mind Gem, and they were going to use that to control that the Chitari. But yeah, it's kind of like, well, I want to collect six nuclear weapons, so here's one. Go use it, but don't lose it. Oh know? yeah, hopefully you don't <laughs> lose it. So, last thing I really want to talk about because there's a lot we could talk about in that movie, but the one of the last things I want to talk about is the final stinger scene, the the one at the very end of the credits. Where you have Mordor, Mordor. Okay, yeah. It's uh, is that his name? Baron. No, I always it's... thought it was Mordu. Mordu. Okay, that's right. Mordu goes up to the Pangor, uh, Pangar, uh, guy, and uh, Pangborn. That's what his name was, and takes the magic back. And he says, "There's way too many sorcerers, or something like that." Right. To that accord. So I had a theory. What if at the end of Infinity War? Our teams have beaten Thanos, right? Okay. And uh, the Infinity Gems and the Gauntlet just goes up in in the air and explodes. And basically the gems go flying off in different directions. Right. And the the last, the after credit scene on the end of Infinity War is Mordu, you know, like climbing a mountain. Say he's climbing Everest or something like that, right? And he gets to a summit and all of a sudden he waves his hand and an opening opens up in the side of the mountain and all of a sudden you see the reality gem and he goes up and he goes to, he goes to grab it. He, he levitates it towards himself and he, he gets to his hand and he says no more magic. And like that it just goes to black. So, you know, because we, we can't do mutants and we can't do no more mutants in, in the MCU because Fox owns uh, mutants and X-Men and all that stuff. What if the the Doctor Strange second movie is basically Doctor Strange having to figure out how to get magic back in the world because Mordor, Mordu uh, uh, has gotten rid of it? That's something to think about. It's definitely a good, it's a good street to cross. And I like the, I don't know if you were planning it, but the ironic twist is in the comics, it was No More Mutants said by the Scarlet Witch. Right, right. No. And then in the MC, or the MC... Uh, the MCU. Oh my God, the MCU. Yeah. Now it's going to be no more magic, and now she's on the receiving end. Exactly. So I think that's kind of funny. Um, you know, it'll be interesting because I kind of feel like maybe they're setting <clears throat> for this new phase that, like, okay, Dormammu's our big guy. He's our bad guy. He's going to be the one that we're building to. I think so that could fall in hand with what you're saying because 
obviously with magic on our planet, on our realm, that's a good defense against Mordu. Or not Mordu, but Dormammu. So if that gets wiped out, that makes it all the easier for him to come in and say, okay, we'll I'm see. Going and I think, I think the two big uh, enemies that you know from Doctor Strange is either Baron Mordu or uh, Dormammu. And you can't bring Dormammu back in the second movie already. I think you'd save him for the third movie, the third Doctor Strange movie, where Doctor Strange has now, now being the the, soul, the 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 actual Sorcerer Supreme, has to fend off Dormammu from taking over our realm. So, you know, in the second movie, you have to give him a different obstacle to overcome, and that would be uh, him fight uh, him having to bring magic back into the world, and uh, you bring in another character. That also uses magic because the guy who was um, who was watching the Sanctum Sanctorum in New York before Doctor Strange is the in the comic books the brother to Brother Voodoo, the one that is a ghost figure in the Brother to Voodoo comic books that, that oh, teaches yeah. that helps him along with his magic. So in the second movie, what if Brother Voodoo comes up to New York and be like, "I need to avenge my brother"? That's a good one, and it's funny we had another superhero. Secret origin in that movie. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. You know, well, I could see that. I mean, like, I definitely, I, I feel they have plans for Baron Mordu to be like Sinestro. You know, like he was the mentor. That's exactly what I thought when I was watching and, the movie, yeah. And be the villain for the second one. You know, because like, I, I definitely, we're getting a Doctor Strange trilogy. Oh, yeah. You know, so maybe it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Baron Mordu sees, you know, Strange helps him see the error in his ways. And then by the third movie, they have to unite to stop the ultimate evil. I don't know. It, it's it's up there. I mean, honestly, like, it's funny because, like, right now with Fox looking, there, at least all the talk about rebooting their X-Men universe, it's like, man, if they could strike a deal, we could bring mutants into Phase 4, have a complete Marvel universe, and that would be great, you know, or... You know, even the Fantastic Four, that'd be nice. You know, Because at least in terms of the comic books, you know, the X-Men are definitely going to be getting a shot in the arm. The merchandise is there for the X-Men. The Fantastic Four are still MIA. I mean, we had a recent uh, uh, panel in the Guardians of the Galaxy book where Ben Grimm is. He's a member. And he was like, oh, I miss, I miss Reed and Sue. You know, and it's like, wow, they haven't been talked about in a while. And But that's all we've got. So it's like, okay, something's got to happen. But... Are they just going to play with the characters they got and bring in that, or is there a way they can bring in the others? I right. don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, and one, I think one of the last Easter eggs. I don't know if it's really an Easter egg because they literally say his name in the in the in the movie. But uh, the what is it the the wand of the Living Tribunal? I think he says, or the staff. That's okay, the staff of the Living Tribunal. Well, that's a biggie. Yeah. Well, the, that's the thing is that there's no actual staff of the Living Tribunal in. Uh, the comic books, but the fact that they're saying the tribu- living tribunal yeah. is a, a huge one. He's a, he, I mean, is he considered a celestial? I think he's bigger than that. The way they've kind of associated him in terms, like I, I think we understand, this, like he's like specter level. See, the, I, and that's uh, it's funny that you bring him up because the only time I've ever seen the living tribunal is in DC versus Marvel. Yeah, DC yeah. versus Marvel when they had uh, the specter kind of dueling with him like mentally. Yeah, that was his his counterpart, and it's funny because yeah, the character's real. 
he doesn't get used much because I read a lot of comic books and <laughs> I don't see him. And you're, you're right. That's, that's the only time I can really think about him. And hence why I made the analogy because that's what the companies at the time basically said. But, yeah, he rarely shows up. I mean, he's got to have in his whole comic book history maybe less than 50 appearances. So it is interesting to see, okay, that they're pulling him up. But I would say, I want to say he's definitely more than a, a celestial. You know, he's definitely up there in terms of power. But at the same time, I think I associate celestials with space. And with them putting the living tribunal in terms of the specter, maybe he's more like religious faith as opposed to space. Okay. You know, things like that. Yeah, I think I don't know. What, that's my thought. The other thing that I've heard him be equate to in the Marvel Universe is. Uh, uh, eternity and in, in entropy. Ooh, when when okay. you see those two figures, that's you know, true. When the big, really big, massive cosmic stuff right. pops up, he does pop up there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and and something for the listeners who might not be, uh, might not understand the comic books all that well, but Celestials in Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie, uh, nowhere is supposed to be the hollowed out head of a celestial. They're freaking huge. <laughs> I mean, Galactus is supposed to be a, a celestial, isn't he? No, Galactus is a surviving member from the before the Big Bang. Okay. He was what um, a, a person was before the Big Bang. And so when the Big Bang happened, he survived it. And that's why he's all powerful and whatnot. But yeah, he eats planets and no, a celestial. And even then, a celestial, well, what? it's tough because depending on the drawings, but sometimes we've seen where the celestial is actually bigger than... Galactus. Oh. But then sometimes we've seen drawings where they're about on par. So it's, it's a but tough it, call. Aren't there, aren't there like depictions in the comic books where they've had Galactus uh, devouring a planet that had a celestial in it? And he's like, oh, that tasted amazing. I don't know. I, I think I that. remember seeing that panel and I don't remember where I saw it. But That'd be something. But I mean, it makes sense because, yeah, if he devours the planet, obviously you got all the people there on it. If you have a celestial on that planet, he obviously by default gets that. So, yeah, that'd be like, damn, I just got some, you know, like, I just it's got like, some extra chocolate chips in my trail mix. That was good. It, it's like Parasite getting to siphon off uh, Superman. Yeah, whenever he of, walks yeah. by Clark Kent, he's like, that human's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other, so it's funny that we bring up, Galact- or at least I brought up Galactus, is because uh, when they were describing Dormammu, and they're like, oh, he's an entity that goes from dimension to dimension in the multiverse and devours everything in that dimension. And I was like, so he's like Galactus? <laughs> but instead of dimensions, it's planets. I thought that was a, a cool little thing, because we've yet to really see Galactus in in the the comic book movies. Oh god, I can't wait to see the real Galactus, not the not the cloud, not the space fart. <laughs> uh, okay, is there anything else that you picked up on Doctor Strange that you really want to talk about? Nothing much. I mean, like I, I I watched it, I enjoyed it. I like I said, I walked away like felt like I watched Iron Man, but not saying like oh I was bored with it. It was like exciting. Like I felt that like this is so cool. There's so much new doors opening. So I mean I enjoyed it. Go, it's a fun movie. Take your kids to it. Take your family to it. Go watch it for yourself. It was just a great time. Yeah, I think out of the 13 Marvel cinematic movies now, I think I I probably put it in the top five. I could I could agree with that. Yeah, yeah. it's up there. Um, yeah, I think the I think I, the only thing I might have had a problem with. Is I don't know how I feel about the Ayamagamado being the time stone. Like, it feels like it takes away from the Ayamagamado. So, like, once they do the Infinity uh, War, does that mean the Ayamagamado is not going to be useful anymore because the stone's out of it? No, I, I've oh, I've been feeling that way for the longest time. I don't like the fact that the Cosmic Cube is a Infinity Stone. It, 
because the cosmic cube is powerful. I mean, like there's been so many great stories dealing with it and, you know, cosmic cubes and infinity gems stand on their own. You know, I mean, for equating things, you know, Marvel equals DC and things like that. That's like saying, you know, like, oh, well, a Green Lantern ring is just a mother box. No, they might operate on the same type of thought, but they're different. They're from different manufacturers. Uh They have different abilities, you know. And so I was bummed with that because, you know, it's imagine putting those two items together. Well, now you've really got something on your hands. But now you can't because one is non-existent because of the other. Same. And I feel the same way with what you're saying there with the eye. It's like, well, if something happens to those gems, those stones, what's going to happen to Doctor Strange? Well, what's going to happen to Vision? Yeah. Because right? he's powered off the, the Mind Stone. Yeah, so, so I kind of, I, I just... The only thing I think that hopefully they write it in there is that the Eye of Agamotto already existed. And then it, since it was an item of such great power, it attracted the Time Stone. So then it gave it extra properties that's what i'm hoping that yeah like the eye is the eye and then that little green glowing part is the gem so it's like okay there you go yeah because yeah like i mean to me like the orb i don't feel like the orb was anything i felt like the orb was just the box with a gem in it i just yeah i just felt that so the i was orb like was well, the who box. cares what the orb is the aether if i'm saying that right um i don't know much about it you know like i just think of the bleed from Wildstorm, uh-huh. and i'm kind of like okay well it's this stuff that's red junk in the middle of dimensions whoop-de-doo <laughs> you know so i could live with that being with that and the scepter well yeah it makes sense that the scepter was built to encase the power of the gem but yeah the one i feel we really lose is the cosmic cube and now with the eye of agamotto but I'm, I'm in the same defense as you i'm hoping that maybe the eye was the eye and the gem went inside the eye, and then that just got like, oh, you went from 100% to 150% or whatever. Right, right. Be. So that, that's, that's what I'm holding out for, too. <laughs> because otherwise, yeah, you know, once once you're looking at the, um, you know, when you're looking at the Infinity War movie, and, you know, Doctor Strange is going to be there, and then all of a sudden, well, okay, I'm speculating, but in the comics, Doctor Strange was definitely a big part of oh, the Infinity Trilogy. Which, by the way, if you're a comic book fan and you're reading, as you should be, <laughs> uh, go get the Infinity Gauntlet, the Infinity War, and the Infinity... What's the third one? Oh my god, I just blanked. Uh, the Infinity War and the Infinity... Trials? Nope. Um... Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> and I was just at a competition today. <laughs> oh man, that's okay. It, 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 I know, I know there is a trilogy, and I, I, I don't remember exactly. Infinity Crusade. Crusade. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. And what was blocking me was because it's two books. Right. Uh, Infinity Gauntlet. You can buy its own, and it'll have the story. Infinity War. You can buy it on its own. It'll have the story plus peripheral issues. But the Infinity Crusade, you have to buy it as two trade paperback volumes. But it's worth it. It's it's a good read. Um, it's very solid action, and you know it's just obviously comic books, man. <laughs> so, love it. <laughs> hey, well, okay. Speaking of comic books, let's just get right into our challenge for this week. We have uh, uh, Vice and Virtue, JLA JSA book. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of history on that book? All right. So if you'll step into my time machine. Since we were talking about the Eye of Agamotto. <laughs> uh, let's journey back to a fond time. We're going back to January of 2003. So DC Comics put out a little book. And this was part of their Secret Files and Origins, which, by the way, I miss. I wish those books were back. Uh, so we had the JLA JSA Secret Files and Origins book. And the main story was called The Day Before. And, you know, we see the two teams. They're, they're getting ready to team up. Uh, the wizard Shazam is like, there's something big coming. You need to warn them. 
And, of course, Captain Marvel Shazam is like, well, we're superheroes. We're always used to being pre-warned and stuff like that. And then, bam, the next month comes one of the best books. If you haven't read it, go out there and get it. It's a fantastic one. JLA, JSA, Virtue and Vice, one of the original graphic novels that, you know, started the, 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 the current trend that we're seeing more of nowadays. So that came out in February of 2003, written by one of my favorite writers, Jeff Johns, and he was teaming up with David S. Goyer. Goyer should stick to comics, not movies, but that's just my opinion. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. He, he does some great movies, too. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, he, he helped write the Dark Knight trilogy. Well, yeah, but at the same time, like, that's a beautiful story, but I'm not necessarily saying that's 100% Batman. He, but that's, yeah, you know. Well, no, it's not 100% Batman. That's Nolan's idea that's of Nolan, Batman, yeah. but he, so. he still was able to get our stuff in there. Yeah, but, it's a great Elseworlds. So I agree hey, with look, that. Okay, I'll give you that, but also look at the Blade movies. that He wrote all three I've of those. I've never seen them. Oh, Guess we've got something to do next weekend, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, everybody will tell you that the first first one is the best. And, right. uh, you know, I will tell you that the third one is the best. Oh. I, that's the one I go. However, I love all three of them. All three of them are really great. I just happen to put the third one a little bit ahead. Well, I hope you got copies, and I hope you're ready oh, to Oh, I definitely to have copies this. of those movies. <laughs> We're gonna, I'm going to be bumming some time on your couch. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, those two are the writers. And Carlos Pacalo... I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, it's Pacolo. Pacolo. Uh, he was the artist on it. Sometimes I have I have tough opinions on his art. Sometimes I really love it, and sometimes I just really dislike it. Well, I'll say um, this time I really liked it. I, oh. I really enjoyed it. Have you ever read Avengers Forever? Uh, yes. He did the art chores on that. Didn't like and, it. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I Luckily, I got engrossed in the story that I could look away from the art. Because, yeah, there's sometimes, like, especially in Virtue and Vice, there's a panel where he shows Batman looking up. And the way he drew the nose hole, it's so huge, it's distracting to me. Like, I look at it, I'm just like, damn, Batman, that's a nostril, you know? Like, good Lord, buddy. So, but anyway, so yeah, so he, he drew that. Or, he, yes, he was the artist on that. Uh, fantastic, what, 90-plus 90 90 page book, mm-hmm. uh, all done in one. Just fantastic storyline. Um, basically, we have two, well, uh, an old JSA villain and an old JLA villain. But wait, why? Why oh. is it the two teams are getting together? Well, okay, so they're they're presumed that they're getting together because of Thanksgiving, right? So we want to start doing the JLA JSA team ups like we used to, but instead of waiting for a disaster to attack, let's just get together to get together. But the reason why Captain Marvel is calling this together is because of that warning in the Secret Files book, where the Wizard Shazam says, "There's a great evil coming. You need to get the two teams prepared." So. He, he doesn't know what the evil is. Nobody knows what the evil is. But, hey, Thanksgiving's coming, and we all love turkey. And, and the idea, they, I know at one point there's... Uh, so the book starts off with Superman and Alan Scott, Green Lantern. Well, oh. I guess at that time he's, he's Sentinel. Sentinel, yeah. He's, uh, they're, in, they're in outer space, and they're just like... I, I love the line. Superman says, I wish they could see this. And he's like, who? He's like, all of them. Everybody on Earth. and Because the two of them are just sitting there... You know, in orbit around Earth, just kind of looking at looking at Earth. How I love peaceful the, it is. the ice is actually forming on them because of the cold vacuum of space. Like just to get you to understand, they're in outer freaking space. You know, <laughs> yeah. And then oh. and, and then they they talk about how this year they're doing it at the Watchtower. Next year they're going to do it at the Brownstone, which is the JSA's headquarters in right. New York. Yep. So it's 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 I, it's it's the thing that we like so much about these comic books, especially when they. They bring in the JSA. It's the legacy. It's the family. It's the the acknowledgement of the history of the world that they have created, yep. which they went and got rid of with New 52. 
Oh, yeah. No, well, I mean, like, it's funny. Like, that's what made this story harder to read was because, yeah, all those heroes were gone. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, the JSA, like, yes, the Earth 2 Society people, they're great characters. Um, that's one of the few books from New 52 that I bought issue one and I continued. I didn't buy when they relaunched it as Earth 2 Society. I just bought Earth 2. Um, I didn't buy that, but, you know, it was because it started like, well, money's going to get tight. Let me back off. But I do regret missing out on that book. But, man, I, I, I love me some JSA. I love the history. And at that time, Goyer, Robinson, and Johns, what they did with the JSA was amazing. You know, I mean, with the seeds planted in the JLA crossover, Crisis Times 5, that was awesome. And then when it turned into its own book, oh, it was even better. And <laughs> just the characters that grew out of it. Like, you know, one of my one of my go-to characters, Dr. Midnight, the third one, Pierre Tercross, you know, he got a real boost in popularity because of the JSA book. Oh, yeah. And, you know, after 52, I lost him. You know, he was gone. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that eventually they'll come back and they'll bring some of those characters back. But, yeah, that was just great because the history was there. You know, when you see, you know, Jay hanging out with Wally and Kyle and Plastic Man and Our Man at a hockey game, that's awesome. You know, when you see that, you're just like, oh, that's so much fun. You know, like I miss that when my heroes would hang out when they had personality to them, you know. And even then with Our Man, you know, he's got his his visions an hour ahead and he's kind of just sitting there bored. And everybody's like, well, you're at a hockey game. Why are you being bored? Come on, man. And he's like, I already, know, I already yeah. know what happened. I already know who won. And they're just pissed at him. Like, why'd you spoil it? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I miss that stuff. I love that. But, um, yeah, so anyways, well, okay, let me let me throw this out there since we're talking about our heroes and whatnot. So, represent, and this was the other thing, too, that was amazing about this book, the lineups. If I remember, if I've counted correctly, I believe they were 14 members of the JLA and 16 members of the JSA. That's 30 freaking characters just on the heroic side of things. That's awesome. So, for the Justice League of America, we had the Ray Palmer Adam, Batman, Black Canary, Captain Atom, Firestorm, Wally Flash, uh, Green Arrow, Kyle Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Plastic Man, Superman, Vixen, Wonder Woman, Zatanna. God, that's a freaking squad. <laughs> and right who was the, the chairman of, of the JLA at that point? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I want to say I think it might have fallen on Superman's shoulders. I wanted to say I think it, they still had it split up between the three of them. Oh, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman? Yeah, but I'm not sure if you that's know, true or I, not. I, I, to be honest with you, at that point, I don't think they were really worrying about who was you know, the chair. I think that was more just the JSA things at that point. Okay. I, but, I mean, I could be wrong. I, nothing, like, I remember reading it just recently, and I didn't recall seeing anything. Okay. That's a good, that's a good plot point there. Um, but now switching to the other side, the, the JSA's lineup, we had Adam Smasher, Black Adam, which was a brilliant idea putting that villain on the team, <laughs> I thought. Uh, Captain Marvel, Dr. Fate, Hector Hall, Dr. Midnight, Pierre Cross, The Flash, Jay Garrick, uh, Hot Girl, Hawkman, Our Man, Jakeem Thunder and his Thunderbolts, Mr. Terrific, Michael Holt, Power Girl, Sand, Sentinel, Alan Scott GL, uh, Star Spangled Kid, and Wildcat. Or oh. Alan Scott Sentinel. Yeah, Alan Scott Sentinel. Now, Used to be a GL. So. Right, yeah. At this point... Is he Johnny Thunder, the Thunderbolt, or is it just the Thunderbolt? It's just the Thunderbolt, because that sad story is going to come up next. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, I believe at this point, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, 
Mr. Terrific is the chairperson of the Yeah, AJ. he was the leader. And actually, maybe that could be Batman was the chair because there they was were a lot having of their conversation. The yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, if I remember correctly, because they do use that against him, Batman had just probably made amends with the JLA because of the whole Tower of Babel fiasco. They did just use that against They do use that against him in the, yeah, in the book. So, well, at least Mr. Terrific well, throws it, it yeah, in his face. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a tough call. Now, now I'm curious. I'll have to flip through it again to see if they have any mention on who was the, the, the leader of the JLA. So while they're at dinner or whatever it is, they're, the, the, Mr. Terrific and, and Batman are, are basically off on their own. They're supposedly going over security, and uh, uh, that's when things start to go wrong. Well, are you talking about the start at the... No, okay, I'm thinking of the scene in the Batcave where they kind of have a bonding moment. No, yeah, not that, yeah, not that okay, scene. Okay, so you got a little bit further. So yeah, so yeah, pretty much all the heroes are there at the, you know, at the, the brownstone, right? Cause well, they're at the took... watchtower, but then they go to the brownstone. Yeah, and I don't remember what I don't remember exactly. And I read it earlier this week, but I don't remember why they they go from the watchtower to the brownstone. I think something happens. Well, I know they they had to do a lot of escaping. Um, because you're right, because they did involve the teleporters, which sent part of the team to limbo. Right. Um, yeah, oh, oh, I know what it was. It was uh, they get attacked at the UN. They're, they don't get attacked, but Luther... well, Tanzia. Yeah, it was. There was the disturbance at Tanzia, so a couple of the heroes go over there, and that's where they meet up with Vixen, who's defending President Luther from Doctor Bedlam. And as we'll later find out, it wasn't Doctor Bedlam. Um, so they show up, they, they, they stop the bad guys, of course, and then, you know, obviously John Jones is starting to pick up some, like, telepathic static, he's not feeling right, and everything's gone. Um, then finally, they, they, that, and that's where the infection began, because I think one of the first characters to get infected was Batman, if I remember correctly, and then it spelled out to Mr. Terrific and so on. So they finally go back, and then they start bickering at each other. Um, once again, John Jones is, like, really feeling it bad, so... Yeah, because then, um, yeah, so they're at the Brownstone. Because, yeah, after the Tanzia situation, they go back to the Brownstone. Because that's when things really start hitting the fan. So then we have our possessed characters. And I'll just go ahead and reveal that right now. Uh, the Seven Deadly Sins were released. From so, the Rock of Eternity. Yeah, from the Rock of Eternity, which is under the watch of the Wizard Shazam. Um, we had Pride take over Mr. Terrific. Envy take over Kyle Rayner Green Lantern. Greed take over Plastic Man. Anger take over Batman, Sloth take over Doctor Fate, Lust take over Power Girl, and Gluttony take over Captain Marvel. Now, also uh, is good to mention that uh, not only do those in particular those particular uh, sins take over those individuals, but then they also end up taking over groups of people. So you see a lot of people that are around uh, Power Girl end up lusting for her and stuff like yeah. that, and uh, the people that are around. Uh, that plastic man ends up going around is 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 being very greedy and stuff like that. So it, it's it's kind of on a global scale as well as well. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's it's there to tear the world apart. Because yeah, that's right. Because when you had all the people in Gotham City, and they were rioting and they were basically like, yeah, we're not going to take it anymore. We're tired of all these criminals. So they take action into their own hands. Which right. Is, yeah. Batman. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and then the. I mean, it's it's re- revealed that the two the two bad guys in the actual storyline is uh, Despero and Johnny Sa- Jari- Johnny Sorrow, who is Johnny Sorrow is a uh, JSA villain, and yep. Despero is one Justice of the original League. Justice League of America villains. Yeah, he uh, first appearance was Justice League of America number one. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, obviously the you know the they have taken control of the Rock of Eternity or at least the sins. Uh, the JLA calls in some uh, all the reserves, all the reserves, that, because you know half of their team is is gone. The other, then all of a sudden they start, you know they they end up having to they, the team splits up because of certain reasons. Half of them get teleported into Doctor Fate's tower, which right. is not a good place to be. Yeah, they're lost in basically a big Mobius strip, MC Escher art painting. <laughs> and then the other another part of the group gets transported to Limbo. Yep. So. Uh, outcome. Who? How? How do they defeat Despero and and Johnny Sorrow? Well, basically, so it works out, and and I was very proud of this moment when Batman is fighting Doctor Midnight. Doctor Midnight reminds him that you're fighting for hope, not anger. So that helps expel the sins out of the heroes, and then once that happens, the heroes can reunite. So they pretty much go and they they take on um, Despero. And uh, they, they wipe him out because, yeah, Despero managed to infect himself into Lex Luthor. And so he, he took over Lex Luthor's body, became his normal big pink self. I always remember him wearing the American flag as his cape. And right. he was just like, oh, that's so bad. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, yeah, this guy's horrible, you know. Um, but, yeah, once, once they finally, all the teams, you know. And it was cool how they worked together, you know, like um, – you know, the, 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 the team trapped in limbo managed to get to Dr. Fate's Tower. Then from Dr. Fate's Tower, they managed to escape. They meet up with all the street-level heroes. Um, at the time, it was kind of interesting because there was a Black Canary, Dr. Midnight, Green Arrow love triangle that neither one of the guys knew about. <laughs> so they wind up working together as a team. So it's kind of interesting for you, the reader, if you're following those books. Uh, but, yeah, anyways, they managed to... Uh, they managed to... Uh, I think it was... Let's see. They they got um Oh no, that's right. They captured Johnny Sorrow first. So they managed to get Johnny Sorrow and they took his mask from him and then Green Lantern encased him in a ring like straight jacket mask thing. And then they took him and they opened up the mask so Despero saw the face. And the thing is if you see the true face of Johnny Sorrow, you die, you know. And so that's why Despero was displaced and and sent out into the ether and then they just locked up Johnny Sorrow and pretty much the two teams were like, "Okay, you know, we're, we're good here. You know? See you next year. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true, they did. <laughs> so then uh, that brings us to our challenge. Uh, basically, you put it out there for us to... Uh, give me your lineups. Ca- yeah. Um, give me the lineups of your, your... Well, first off, who would be your two teams that you're having unite? Mm-hmm. Um, give me your lineups of your teams. And then tell me who the sins would possess and who are the bad guys. Right. So I'm going to go first. All right, go for since, it. Since it was your challenge. Uh, I kind of went a little strange again. You know, that's, that's <laughs> just me. I went a little a little different. Uh, I went with the Young Avengers and the Runaways. And I, I know you know the Young Avengers, and I don't think you read too many of the Runaway books. No, I haven't had much okay. interaction with those kids. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's going to be a little bit of uh, me having to explain some of the characters, I think. But... Uh, on the Young Avengers, I just gave them the basically the second crew, okay? Because you know the first crew was Wiccan and uh, Hulkling and Patriot and Speed, I think. Yeah, he was part of that group. I think he the, that was the they first just, that four. That was part of one of the things they discovered for. No, him, so. uh, Speed oh, no, wasn't part of the first four. four. Okay, your first four was 
Asgardian, who became oh Wiccan. Iron Lad, Iron Lad, because yeah, he had the Kang connection. Right. So then the second crew would have been Hulkling, Wiccan, Patriot, Hawkeye, Speed, and I think that's it. Okay. All right. That's a good team. Okay. Well, so what about Vision, Jonas? And Vision, yeah, and Vision. Sorry, yeah. Jonas. So the, the I would go with that team, and then the Runaways team is is Molly, uh, Carolina. Wick, uh, the the girl, the teenage girl is Minora. That's her last name, or something. Man, Manuru, Manuru, Minuru, something like that. <laughs> uh, the the Chase and uh, Gertrude and Old Lace. So that's there. I don't know. I mean, so basically, the, the Runaways they they're all the 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 sons and daughters of an evil conglomerate of parents that. Uh, ruled the West Coast because you know all of Marvel always exists in the East Coast. And it's all New York. So <laughs> they they called themselves the Pride, and you have Alex Wilder. His parents were just two basic evil billionaires or millionaires or whatever. Uh, so you're Lex Luthor types. Uh, then you have Gertrude's parents who were, I believe, scientists of sorts. Because they created a dinosaur that would lis- that would listen to her commands through her mind. Uh, then you had uh, Chase's parents, who were also mad scientists, because they invented things all the time, and that's why he had like these gauntlets that that uh, caught on fire and had a a frog that was their um, like a giant looking frog that was their traveling device. Uh, you had uh, the the witch girl, who her parents were dark wizards. Uh, you had Molly, whose parents were mutants, and then you had Carolina, whose parents were uh, aliens. And all the kids never knew anything about them, that they they were evil people or that they had all these things. Eventually, they find out that their parents are bad, and they take them down. They kill them. So that's the runaways. That's why they're runaways, because they're no longer with their parents. So uh, you have that crew... And my two villains, my Johnny Sorrow is Baron Mordu. So, and I'll get <laughs> you, you had some strange things. On I'll, that I'll get on. I'll get to why it is that. And then Despero is Kilgrave the Purple Man. Nice. So, I like that too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, first I have a sloth, and I went with um, Molly Hayes, Princess Powerful. So she is the youngest one of the Runaways. She is a mutant, and the power that they show her of having is basic super strength okay i know who she is yeah okay. i've seen her she's like yeah. a little little girl like but, wears the hood or the hood and the jacket and kind of like yeah you know, rough traveling clothes you exactly know, and she punches yeah. people a lot and then they go flying out of the room kind of thing because yeah, they had her join the x-men of the future and she wound up having a crush on beast i think oh really yeah <laughs> uh greed went to tommy Shepard's speed from the avengers or the young avengers i like that okay so, yeah, because I, I felt like, you know, he would, he has that background of being a thief. So, you know, he might go around stealing more things. Well, plus I like, not, not to call a cheat on this one, but he's impulsive. <laughs> so <laughs> Fair enough. So that impulsiveness yeah. would make too, like, hey, idle hands. And, and, and the reason, he was, the reason yeah. I put Molly as a sloth is because she's the strongest one, but then she's also a child. So she might just kind of have the whole layabout kind of attitude and be like, I don't want to kind of thing. 
uh, Casey uh, Casey Lang is stature, and I forgot that from the um, the, lineup. the lineup. But she would be my gluttony. So the way I played this off is because in the original story, Captain Marvel goes around stealing all the the magic back from the people that he's given it to, and from Black Adam, right? Right. So what if Casey Lang goes around stealing all the pin particles from from all the uh, other people that use it? Her Ooh, father, nice. Pim, uh, Hank Pym, uh, Wasp, and stuff like that, and she kind of you know st- steals it from them, absorbs it herself, and tries to become uh, you know as big as she can. I like uh, the visual that could be because it's like every time, like as you're reading this, you're like, "Oh, cool! There's Scott Lang," and then she's now she's like three feet taller, you know. So now she's this eight foot tall woman, and and she appears before Hank and Jan, and then by the time she's done with them, she's like this twenty foot tall woman. You exactly, know? I like that. Uh, Carolina Dean, also known as Lucy in the Sky, uh, she takes wrath. Now it was kind of the opposite of Batman because Batman already has a lot of anger in him. So it was easy to give him wrath. She is the opposite. She's very peaceful. So I wanted to see the, the juxtaposition, I guess, you know, of someone who's usually very peaceful and very calm to be full of wrath. Well, and I like this because obviously if the story stays in continuity, she finally has a new part of herself opened up. How is she going to reflect on that? Exactly. So that's cool. I like that. Exactly. Uh, pride. Oh, and I forgot this one from our my lineup of run, run uh, from the Young Avengers, but uh, Novar, Marvel Boy. Oh, so wow. you, the way that they always played him off is that you know you you humans don't know stuff. You don't you don't know enough. Yeah, he's you, a cocky you, alien. He's yeah. cocky, so you know to give him that pride is just to amp it up. Uh, Envy goes to uh, Eli Bradley Patriot because he's you know always having to live up to other names. He has to live up to Bucky. He has to live up to Captain America. He has to live up to. Uh, his father and his grandfather. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that because that's a lot on his shoulders. Yeah. Uh, and then the last is Lust. It was Chase Stein, who they sometimes called Talkback. And he doesn't have any powers of his own, but he does have all those uh, gadgets that his parents built. Uh-huh. But he is a teenage boy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, the gotcha. Lust works in there. Uh, and that's my lineup. I, I, you know, I didn't give... Oh, I, the reason why they meet up. I did. They did come up with this. So... On both teams, they have a scroll um, member. Hulkling is a scroll. Yeah. Well, he's he's half scroll, half, 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 half prince Kree. too. Yeah. And he's also a prince. Uh, and then on the on the runaways, they have Zavin, or I think that's how you say X A V I N, who is was a uh, super scroll in training when he she decided to leave uh, scroll whatever planet that is. Uh, I, do they call it scroll? I have no clue what their home planet is. <laughs> They're the scrolls, but I don't know what their so home I'm planet gonna, is. I'm going to say it's scroll. Their planet, planet is scroll. called scroll. <laughs> it also has the chin. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he, he decided to leave his service, and he makes his way to the runaways, and he falls in love with Carolina. And when Carolina says, explains to him that she's only into women, he changes his gender, and you know he, he becomes a, a woman scroll. Or a female version of scroll, and she's like, "I don't want you to change for me like that." And he goes, "It does and on on our planet. It doesn't really make a difference. We we change between genders all the time. It, it's whatever we want to do. It's so, not that big a well, deal." Wait, so you said Hulkling, right? Hulkling, yeah. Well, so, what is that gonna? Okay, all right. I think maybe you're so, gonna go with what I'm asking here. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I am, but the the first time they meet, I believe, is in the crossover. They have a crossover comic book in Civil War, where they the two of them teamed up. The two teams teamed up, uh-huh. and the two of them don't like each other. They they really don't like Zavin and Zavin and, and Hulkling. Probably because that Kreeness. Because of the Kree in yeah. him. 
And uh, I want I wanted them to basically, after teaming up to, with each other, they, they kind of form a little bit more of a bond. But since Hulkling has never been on Scroll and Zavin has, Zavin comes up and says, you should learn one of our traditions. We have a day, and this is going to be basically the equivalent to Thanksgiving on, <laughs> on Scroll, but it's called Legacy Day, where we pay homage to all the, the, the scrolls that have fallen before us and stuff like that. And uh, we give thanks for basically all the lands that we've conquered. You know, it's the same thing as kind of like Thanksgiving, and <laughs> even though you know we don't they, we we don't really like scrolls on this planet, they they kind of want to keep this tradition, and maybe they're making it their own thing because they are all legacies. Now the Runaways are legacies of bad people, but the the Young Avengers are legacies of good people. So they they're coming together to have this meal, and you know maybe they're meeting halfway in between the country because the Young Avengers are in New York and the Runaways are in L.A. But they they come together, and that's when everything starts to happen. Nice, I like that. And I think that's neat, because I like that the, the fact that you didn't go with the generic Thanksgiving, and I like the, the tie. The only question I would have, then, is how does Billy feel about that? Wicked. Because that's... Yeah, it, I mean, because Billy and... Uh, what's his, is, it's, not, it's not Tommy. What no. is uh, Hulkling's real name? It doesn't matter. Anyways, the, the two of them are a couple. Right. And I always thought this was an interesting thing. Because, you know, they obviously, when they created uh, Hulkling and, and Wiccan to be a couple, uh, and then when they made Zavin and Carolina a couple, they're, they're supposed to be same-sex couples. However, with scrolls, they can change their gender. I, I mean... It's 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 empowering. I, I always thought it was like it's empowering to have these same sex couples, but then you're also saying you know it doesn't really make a difference because they can change their genders whenever they want. Yeah. So I always thought that was strange. No, I agree with that. Yeah, because I kind of was like, okay, cool, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go for that, but then you took away from that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Like it's like it almost counted. It almost. Oh, just, just that's go exactly. With it, go it's away. almost like, counted. Have it be that that alien is that gender, like. They could have easily written into it, oh, when we hit a teenage age, we choose our gender or something. So I chose to be male, and then I'm dating a male. So that is a male-male relationship as opposed to like, well, I can can flip-flop on, you know, XY chromosome or XX chromosome. Right. It's like, oh, come on. I always always thought it was strange. But, you know, the stories are still good, so. Yeah. All right, I dig it. It's definitely a good introduction because I would pick it up because, oh, you still got more? No, no, I just just remember why I picked the two villains that I picked. Okay. So my uh, my Despero as being Kilgrave, you know, it's it's. I felt that he was very much the same, like in the way that he can take control of people. Right. Uh, Despero can do the same. Now with Baron Mordu, the reason why I picked him is because of the Doctor Strange movie. So in the (laughs) the 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 character. I, for, I can't remember what her name is, but her last name is Minuro. Uh, she's Japanese descent, or at least, yeah, her, and her parents were dark wizards. Now, in the Doctor Strange, or she has a staff in her called the Staff of One. And whenever she bleeds, the Staff of One appears and she can, she can cast magic. She was even, and we were talking about this earlier, she was one of the, the people that was almost chosen to be the new Sorcerer Supreme, or at least oh, okay. being training for it. Right. Uh, when that happened. But, uh, in the Doctor Strange movie, one of the wizards at uh, the Hong Kong Sanctum Sanctorum has the Staff of One. Like, so it, it makes it so that the her parents studied at some point with the Ancient One to be part of that thing. So if you take into that, that into account, maybe uh, you know they studied there, but when Mordu left, 
the the sanct or the the Karmishtar Kam Kar- Karmisha Karm the place in Kathmandu gotcha. that they study at. <laughs> uh Karmitage, that's what it was called. Uh when he left, maybe they left too and they took the staff of one with them. So when they when he found out that two of his um disciples right. died, he went to investigate, found out that their daughter killed him and now he wants his revenge. Yeah. Well, plus that powerful artifact. Yeah, it's like I'm not gonna leave this out. Yeah, there. exactly. So there you go. That was there was reasonings to my choices. <laughs> All right, I dig it. I dig it. I like it. For me, you know, I'm gonna continue the ongoing saga of the Young Avengers, so I'll pick it up, and it's a good way for me to get introduced to a character team that I really don't know much about. So I like that. I dig it. Um, and I, like I said, I was really digging the way you did the the holiday aspect. You know, it's not straight out Thanksgiving, but you still kept the honor of that. So that's mm-hmm. really cool. I like that. That's creative. I dig it. All right, so where I'm going with this. So, obviously, I went for the big easy one. I was like, oh, Avengers and X-Men. <laughs> you know, And just because if you're reading the state of the Marvel books right now, where the X-Men and Avengers are, it is not a good relationship. Hell, the X-Men aren't even good amongst themselves. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's where I want to go. But truth to be told, there was no way I could really work Cyclops into it. <laughs> so I abandoned that plot right away. Like, I thought about making him one of the villains. I was like, oh, maybe he'll be one of the, you know, and this could be a good redemptive story for him. But no, I want a better redemption for Scott Summers than that. So I did some investigations, and that's why I was like, oh, well, let me go research when the actual JSA, JLA book came out. And as I mentioned before, it was December of 2002. Was it December of 2002? February 2003, my apology. So anyways, so I was looking at it, and the Avengers books at that time, which funnily, which strangely enough, was being written by Jeff Johns. So he was pulling double duty in two universes there. So, I find that so strange that he was he was doing the Avengers and the JSA at the same time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And even then, he also he had some really good gems when he was over at Marvel. Uh, he had a Thing book called Freak Show, which was really good, a nice four-issue mini. And then he did a Vision book. Um, so both of those really solid. If you ever get a chance, I highly recommend at least the visual one. I read the visual one. I never read the, the thing one, which I'm kind of bummed that I didn't because I think Scott Collins was on the art and he's got beautiful art, especially for a character like the thing. That's, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal his, his group. So I'm going to go with it. And, um, so I want those big armies just as well. I want those big teams. So for my Avengers lineup, all right, here we go. <laughs> it's on printed paper, folks. <laughs> so we're going to have the Yellow Jacket, Hank Pym, Wasp, Jack of Hearts, Iron Man, Warbird, who was Carol Danvers, mm-hmm. most, uh, most probably known as Captain Marvel. She-Hulk. She's gone through so many names. Oh, yeah. Uh, she, well, she had power changes, too, even. Yeah. You know? She had different looks and all that, yeah. Um, She-Hulk, Scarlet Witch, Scott Lang, Ant-Man, Vision, Black Panther, Falcon, Captain America, Thor, Wonder Man, Firestar, Justice, Photon, and Triathlon. He's a character I miss. I was liking him, and they just kind of threw him out to limbo. Well, after after Secret Invasion, he became 3D Man. Yeah, which made me even more sad, because I was like, that's awesome. That's he character evolved into a legacy, and, and now he's gone. <laughs> so Marvel, bring him back. I want my all-new Marvel Now 3D Man. <laughs> So that's going to be my Avengers lineup. Um, and again, like I said, I mean, if we looked at the history of comics, where we were at that time, the Avengers, they were doing great. I mean, this is right before Brian Bendis took it even further. 
But, you know, we, we were dealing with stories from Jeff Johns, you know, World Trust and, you know, the, uh, the, well, the, the Red Skull story that he did. I can't, think, I can't remember what that plague was. But that was the one that had Del Rusk in it, or you used that name earlier. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was my Avengers lineup. So I was excited because I was like, oh, man, that was such a fun era of Avengers. Um, and then I looked at the other team I wanted to use, the X-Men, which was not so at a fun era of the X-Men books. So I, I had to pick up three comic books to get my X-Men team. So there was the new X-Men at the time, which was during Grant Morrison's tenure. So I picked up Cyclops. Jean Grey, Wolverine, Emma Frost, Beast, and Professor X. Um, then from the Uncanny X-Men books, I get Angel, Iceman, Nightcrawler, and here's a character, I don't know if you remember her, Stacy X. I do remember Stacy X. on Ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was a hooker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she had quite the power set there. Could just touch you and <laughs> uh, Then I went to the Extreme X-Men when Chris Claremont came back. And I've got Storm, Rogue, Gambit, Bishop, Sage, Thunderbird, and Psylocke. So that gives me 17 X-Men and 18 Avengers. So I've got a, quite a few more characters there to play with, uh, but I'm excited. So anyways, um, to give you the, the rest of my cast of characters, so the villains that we're going to be featuring in this story, I decided to also choose the Purple Man. Um, I kind of put him more in the Johnny Sorrow one, just because when you look at Purple Man, that's how his powers can influence you. So I thought that was kind of good that if he, if, you know, because that's how Daredevil beats him is he doesn't look at, well, he can't see. So that's why he never had a hold over him. Um, and then my Despero, I decided, and again, I really wanted to dig deep into like, okay, the history of these characters, who do they not deal with too much? And like I, um, I decided to go with um, Mesmero. Mesmero. He's, he's one of those... He's one of those forgotten characters, and I was like, oh, this would be good. So kind of a reintroduce him back into the Marvel Universe and all that. And you know, I, when I, the first time I was introduced to Mesmero was in the Weapon X book that I picked up that was, it, I mean, this was way after Deadpool and, and Wolverine were in the Weapon X program, but it, it was such a great book, and Mesmero was one of the characters in the Weapon X program, like in this book. Yeah. Oh, he's he's a great well he's a great manipulator. I mean his power set. Um, well, that's what I was gonna, I, I was trying to get at was that him and Purple Man are. I, I always thought they were very similar in their power set. Yeah. Oh, they can be. They definitely can. And I figured that's where I would use that that psychic link because pretty much what I was gonna do was, you know, it, it's one of those things where you know because like I said at the time we had just had the story World Trust where the Avengers are put out there and it's like okay you know you just saved us from the big Kang war. You know, ultimately, the UN will never question you, will answer to you. So that's going to piss off somebody like, you know, the Purple Man. And it's like, no, I've got to tear their legacy down. I have to destroy them. And then at the time, mutants were like on an all time high, but then they got destroyed. You know, like, um, what was it? Professor X's sister, she unleashed, you know, the genocide on um, on the mutants. So that's where I was like, Mesmero would be like, you're, you're bastards, you know, you were supposed to take care of us, you always stopped us from taking power so you could protect us. So those were my motivations, like basically it's like, no, we're going to smear their name in the mud, we're going to destroy them. And obviously if these are virtuous heroes, then let's unleash the vices on them, let's unleash the sins. So that was their motivation for, you know, conjuring this power and, and putting it on there. 
Um, so that's why they're going to do what they're going to do. Why are the teams meeting? Well, I figured, you know, it was a holiday book, so I'm going to keep it a holiday book. You know, I was like, I'm going to keep it Thanksgiving, where basically the Avengers are kind of like, hey, X-Men, you know, we understand that you've had some massive fatalities. This is a holiday about family. We don't want you to feel alone. Come join us. You know, so, of course, the two teams, they meet at the Avengers compound to mingle and all that fun stuff. And then, you know, bam, it starts happening. So they're being, you know, deceived into believing that the, the sins and the sins will take them over. So this is how I decided to play it. Um, I gave pride. I gave that to Beast um, just because I always wanted to, you know, like he's a boastful fellow as it is. And he's a very scientific genius. I mean, he's well respected. So I figured, hey, let's let that go to his head so I can just picture the visuals. I mean, he's already boastous enough. Now this is going to be even more ridiculous. As my favorite X-Men, I feel that maybe that was just a, a hurtful thing on me that you did. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I think maybe I hit it right on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> um, then for Envy, I went with Yellow Jacket because it, we've seen that. That, that. That's why he's constantly changing powers and costumes and secret identities is because he felt inadequate when he first started as Ant-Man. You know, and then it's going to I'm going to have a beautiful scene in there where he looks at Scott Lang and he's going to be even more pissed because maybe Scott Lang's a better Ant-Man. And he's just like, ah, you know, so he's going to he's totally going to be jealous. Of well, I mean, this. even his first appearance as Yellow Jacket, he was he's always talking down uh, Hank Pym, too, wasn't he? Like, he wasn't he just like Hank Pym can't, you know, couldn't do this, but I can do this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I totally want to play that up, you know, um, then greed, which is kind of funny because. You know, when they went with Plastic Man, obviously Plastic Man's had a criminal record. And I was like, okay, which of my heroes out of my teams has criminal records? And obviously I, I thought about it and I was going to go with Gambit. I was like, oh, that'd be easy. But I wanted to keep the numbers kind of balanced and I felt like I already had too many mutants. So I gave it to Scott Lang. And I was like, okay, let's, let's go with Scott Lang. That way, you know, you know it, 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 it shows. You know? So he's going to be the guy who goes into these vaults and just opens them up and is like, everybody, go to town, you know. Um, anger, I, I, you know, I went with the obvious Wolverine, you know, he's just, <laughs> he is, he's a big ball of anger. And, you know, if we think about that time, that's what he was, you know, he was just walking around in the leather suit, just ripping the hell out of him. Oh, didn't we just think about when the apocalypse got a hold of him, made him war, you yeah, know, that's yeah, so. the reason, there's a reason why. Yeah. So, you, you know, that's where he's always been. <laughs> uh, sloth. I thought about, and I, this one, again, I was thinking about the visuals. It'd be great. I can just totally see Iceman, like, and this is where it's going to be. Well, I, obviously, I picked Iceman, but I, I like this because I remember there was a part of the comics where Emma Frost possessed Iceman, and she did way more with his powers than he did. So I like that once he gets possessed by Sloth, even though Sloth's lazy, Sloth is going to be like, I'm going to master this guy's powers so I can be lazy. Mm -hmm. So I could just picture scenes where like Iceman's just sitting in like a little throne that he made being carried by other Icemen. Yeah. You know, yep. so by the time this story's done, when Bobby's back in control, he's going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> I can't do that. You know, so that'd be a nice little zing in there. Um, Lust, I went with She-Hulk. And obviously, yes, the curves, but I thought about this. And let's think about Jennifer Walters. She never depowers herself. She's always She-Hulk. She can transform, but she always stays She-Hulk. Why? Because she hides behind that. You know, so I thought, oh, that's some good, that's a real good mind screw right there, you know. So let's take it, and let's take it a step further. Well, you know, you, know, you also got to take into account that uh, 
Stanley and and these older older guys <laughs> when they created these characters because every one of the 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 superheroines of of the Marvel universe usually can't just be the heroes they also have to be whatever career they pick plus a supermodel like they like <laughs> like Janet makes clothes and she's a, a you know a, she's a, a fashion designer, a fashion designer then, but she also models those yeah. clothes Patsy Walker is Hellcat but then she's also <laughs> a model you know. There's Mindy the model. <laughs> Need we say more? Need we say more? But I mean, Jennifer Walters, I, I believe at one point as She-Hulk does does modeling. Oh yeah, yeah. They so. had a, it's a funny little story. I forget what issue it was, but in Fantastic Four, um, obviously just like the tabloids do, they were trying to get nude pictures. Uh-huh. And She-Hulk was up on top of the Baxter Building, sunbathing, topless, and you know, here comes somebody. They startle her. She jumps up. They take pictures. And the funny thing is, when he went to go get the photos developed, they color corrected, so they made her look like a normal woman. So of course, no one's going to believe that. Oh, no, we got Jennifer pictures Walter. of Yeah, so well, they, weird, but it it was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then lastly, for gluttony, I had the same thing you did, where it was like, okay, that scene where Captain Marvel stealing the powers back—that'd be good. So obviously, the obvious pick of who steals powers. Rogue, mm. you know, I'm just gonna have her going out there and just laying waste to some of the heroes, taking their powers and whatnot. So I figured that way, like I said, characters, you know, like for the Avengers, She Hulk's gonna be a little bit more gun shy afterwards because she's gonna realize that part of why I tap into my She Hulk powers is because of lust. And then Iceman's gonna be real pissed because he can't do the things that everybody else can with his powers. You know, and then obviously Rogue, you know, if depending on the writers of the book, they could, you know, play with that some more. So those were my those were my uh, picks for that. So, yeah, that's that's where I went with it. Uh, you know, that's a great story. That's I mean, that's definitely an interesting. What, what's the, the holiday they get together for? Oh, it's going to be plain old Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Like okay. I said, they was, you know, the with the recent massacres on Genosha, the Avengers are, you know, like, hey, come come with us. We don't want you to feel alone. We don't want you to be. You know, sitting there thinking that you're not welcome to anything. So I thought that'd be a good way to get the two teams together. Well, I mean, that's obviously a good way for the two teams to definitely uh, uh, get back together because they don't like each other at the moment. Uh, I I mean, I think the last thing I read with them was AVX, so Avengers vs. X-Men. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, from from there on, I mean, because Schism came after that, right? Well, no, Schism came before that, which is what That's divided right. the X-Men. And then AVX united the X-Men at first, and then they broke off and set up. It's all Cyclops' fault. Um, <laughs> and then after, part of the fallout was the Uncanny Avengers, which was to create the Unity Squad, which brought the X-Men and Avengers together. But in the end, it kind of didn't work because, you know, like, what, you had Rogue and Scarlet Witch were on the team, and they just hated each other, you know, and... Yeah, it was just convoluted comics at the time. and But, yeah, we really don't have, you know, the Avengers and, and humans are more chummy. And the X-Men are kind of like, they're the suck-ups now. Like, hey, anybody please like us. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what made it hard for me to choose to write that book in a modern setting. Because the X-Men are neutered, you know, yeah. to put it plain and simple. They're not, they're not what they used to be. So, hopefully after Resurrection... You know, maybe maybe we'll have uh, strong teams again when we get blue and gold. So I uh, uh, I was able to remember her one name. It's Sister Grim. That's her her code name. But oh, okay. The character's name is Nico Minero. Minura Minura Ru M I N O R U. 
Minoru. Minoru. Yeah. That's okay. What I'm thinking, yeah. So yeah, and and the staff of one is the is the her magical device. So there you go, folks. You don't need to write in and tell me how I screwed up. That <laughs> I know I screwed it up. But you denied the no prize. <laughs> uh, after uh, after all that, folks, what did you think? What did you think of our two storylines? Uh, how does it weigh up against uh, virtue and vice of the JSA JLA book? Uh, also, what did you think of our talking about Doctor Strange? What did you think about Doctor Strange? We want to hear all these things. So make sure you tweet us. Uh, I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter. Chris is also on Twitter as... Stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. And uh, we're also at Geekly Radio on Twitter. Uh, make sure to go to Facebook where we do most of our conversation and be part of our community. Geekleetradio.com backslash... Fa- uh, no, <laughs> I said that backwards. Facebook.com backslash Radio. But after that, go to com where we have archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network. You know, maybe that's true. We've gotten that big that we are the ones hosting things. <laughs> that's what I like to think. <laughs> that's what I like to think that too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, other than that, well, let me just remind you guys, so if you want to join us on this story, which, by the way, this is one of one of my top ten picks, so this is a very strong story for me, and if you want to read it in its entirety, go out and get the JLA JSA Secret Files and Origins issue one book. It's a one-shot. Pick up the JLA JSA Virtue and Vice. You can get it hardcover or trade paperback, and for extra, just because I always love to do my homework when it comes <laughs> to comics, pick up JSA issue 54. It's a nice little sequel in the fact that it's pretty darn near a year later, and this time we see the two teams meet up at the Brownstone. Uh, There's some nice little humor in it. There's a great moment between um, Mr. Terrific and Batman where Batman's like, nope, something bad's going to happen. Bad things always happen. And, of course, nothing bad happens until they sit down for dinner. Then something bad happens. (laughs) And they wind up eating pizza, and we get a nice moment where Batman kind of smiles and gets to say, I told you so. All three of them worthwhile books. I know actually this touch of nostalgia hit me. I'm going out. I'm going to go buy another set just so I can keep them handy. <laughs> um, I love it. you know. So definitely go out there and pick those up. Worthwhile. So definitely check those out. Uh, next time we come back, we'll be with a character 101, and it should be Baron Mordu. So, How strange. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but other than that, this has been Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to regularly scheduled programs.